You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you were stuck at home last year, did you happen to visit a doctor online? I did, and so did millions of Americans. For some people, it was a convenient option, and for others, it gave them potentially life-saving care out of state. But what happens now that states are ending those lockdown-era provisions? Katie Palmer, a health tech correspondent at Sat News, is here to explain. Hey, Katie. Welcome to Rico Daily. Thanks for having me on. So telehealth or online doctor's visits became really popular during the pandemic, especially for those who moved at some point during lockdown. Can you explain a little bit what was going on? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw in the beginning of the pandemic what has been really a, a consistent increase in the use of telehealth. It exploded in April, which is unsurprising when the most stringent lockdowns were in effect. And it sort of tapered off pretty quickly. But the overall increase has leveled out for the most part. Um, claims data is showing that telehealth use is at a level 38 times higher about where it was pre-pandemic, uh, according to a recent report. So it's really a dramatic change in the way that Americans are accessing care. Other than obviously you can't go to anything in person, are there other reasons why this became super popular? Physicians are licensed in specific states. They're licensed to treat patients who are physically in those states at the time of care. So I, as a person who lives in Massachusetts, can go see a doctor who has a license in New York State, say I need specialist care. I can go there physically. During the pandemic, during lockdown, I couldn't go to New York to see that doctor in person. And if they were only licensed in New York, I couldn't receive care from them because they weren't licensed in Massachusetts, where I was physically located at the time. So what states figured out is they needed to get rid of some of those licensure requirements in order for patients to continue to access the care with their existing providers. And for some cases, for patients who were trying to access new providers with physicians who weren't licensed in the state where they currently were. So yes, a lot of people did, you know, they didn't feel safe where they were at the beginning of the pandemic. So they temporarily relocated to a different location. And if they still wanted to see their primary care doctor who was still back home, they wouldn't be able to have that televisit unless these regulations change temporarily. So one thing you wrote about in your story is that telehealth visits for behavioral health services, like for a psychologist, really accounted for the majority of appointments. Can you talk about how, you know, being able to do this on video, for example, led to this increase? It's pretty remarkable, actually. So over half of telehealth claims during the pandemic so far have been for behavioral health, including therapy, including substance use disorder uh, treatment. And that's related to obviously spiking cases of anxiety and depression immediately related to the pandemic, but it also speaks to the willingness of behavioral health providers to use telehealth. There's a lot of concern in every specialty that telehealth is going to result in a decreased level of care for patients, and that's certainly the case for some specialties. You know, there are certain kinds of care that you just can't get over a phone call or a video visit, but it seems like it's been a really good match for therapy in particular, and there have been some early studies that show that providers really do see 
clinical benefit for virtual care compared to in-person care for some of these these use cases. So I think it's really been sort of sea change in behavioral health in particular. So telehealth overall, it sounds like, has been pretty well received by patients and providers alike. But now that's going to go away. Is that right? Uh, well, the hope is that it will not, but there are definitely some things that are changing that is making it a little bit more difficult for patients and providers to keep up with their telehealth habits. So each state at the beginning of the pandemic issued its own version of a public health emergency on top of the federal health emergency. And a lot of the provisions that made it easier to access telehealth are expiring along with those uh, public health emergencies. By the end of this month, July, the majority of those states of emergency uh, will be lifted. And so will the provisions that allow the states to recognize other states' medical licenses. So some patients who have really gotten used to the benefits of seeing their out-of-state physician uh, via telehealth are losing access to that care. And some of them are going through some pretty incredible contortions to maintain that access as things change. You had an example in your story. Could you give me that? Yeah. So one of the funniest but also sad examples of what's happening is patients who have physicians who are only licensed in a specific state are driving across state borders just to have that televisit from oh, their car. So I called it the rest stop televisit. And it seems like it might be a one-off, but it, I've heard from a number of different patients who are doing this so they don't have to drive. They'll still have to drive, but they'll only have to drive three hours to see their doctor who's really far away instead of the full six and that's where you get into issues of quality of care. Like, is the Wi-Fi connection good enough from your phone? You're eating up a lot of data if you're just sitting in a parking lot on the side of the road. And is the connection going to hold through? And you also wrote about a family who's actually using their RV to go get appointments. Yeah, so this is the Delanos. Their son, James, has a number of rare diseases, and they've spent many, many years traveling around the country in their RV to get help from specialists all over the place in Georgia and Ohio and Maryland. And it takes a lot out of them. So it was actually a pretty incredible change during the pandemic to be able to have those specialist appointments. Luckily, he's in a stable enough state where the remote appointments were successful for him during the pandemic. But back in May, they had an appointment set up with their cardiologist in Ohio. And a week before, they got a call from that office saying, sorry, uh, we have to switch things back. So with very little notice, I uh, realized they were going to have to go back to in-person appointments. And just this month, they, they took their first road trip, not post-pandemic, but sort of mid-late pandemic uh, to this cardiologist in Ohio. You know, when I spoke to them, to, to James's mom, Victoria, she was she was pretty upset. You know, she has really felt the advantages of telehealth for her son's health, not just having access to the doctors, but not having to travel so much as a child with lots of medical complications. It's really burdensome and can be harmful. So those patients in particular, I think, would really benefit from having a more streamlined approach to state licensure. So what are healthcare professionals saying about going back to these pre-pandemic standards? Most of the providers I spoke with are extremely frustrated by the situation. There's two elements to that frustration. One is just the crazy hodgepodge of regulations that they're trying to deal with. Like physicians are not in a position to read all of these decrees and understand exactly when they're expiring. So they've been put in a position where they could be breaking a law and practicing in a state where it's not allowed just because of the complication of all of these different regulations and how quickly they're changing right now. And then the other element is just they've realized how backwards the licensing process is for 2021. To be fair, 
Telehealth was on a pretty slow growth trajectory before the pandemic. Not a lot of people were comfortable using it. But now that far more patients and providers have experienced it, some for the first time during the pandemic, providers are having a hard time seeing how they're going to be able to keep up with that level of care with the barriers of state-issued licenses in the way. And just to be clear, um, you're still allowed to do telehealth if you're in the same state? Like if I have a doctor that I've been seeing online during this pandemic, I could still see her if she's in the same state as me. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. But that's still a challenge for, you know, say I want to go on vacation. Right. It's especially an issue for college students who are, you know, back in their home state for two months every summer, maybe, especially a challenge for rare disease patients who have specialists all over the country who have really benefited from having those telehealth specialist visits. Got it. Don't tell your doctor you're out of state. (laughs) Well, that's honestly a big concern. Like it is possible for patients to lie about where they are physically. So some of the doctors who have requested that their patients drive across the border to receive their telehealth appointments are doing funny things like asking them to take screenshots on Google Maps to verify where they are. But not everybody thinks that's a good thing. You know, some prioritize having their patients get access to that care and they're just like, I trust you. I won't double check But that puts the providers at risk. So is there any hope that this out-of-state telehealth will come back? Can we make this a long-term change, this thing that people have found very useful? There is definitely hope. You know, even in the short term, we're seeing changes. So some states are making adjustments to their policies that hold on to some of the, the license waivers and license reciprocity that they established early in the pandemic. So Arizona in particular just passed a very broad bill that said it will in perpetuity recognize other states' licenses. And that's the sort of change that I think we're going to see more states uh, signing on to. There's another possible solution that we're seeing an increase in, which is interstate compacts, which basically is states sign on and they agree collectively to recognize each other's medical licenses. And there's one for physicians, one for psychologists, and we're definitely seeing an increased number of states signing on to those compacts, as well as increased activity in providers applying for those types of cross-state licenses. But those are still both sort of band-aids. They still are state-based licenses. And there is a desire, I've at least heard from some providers expressed, for a sort of uniform telehealth medical license. It seems unlikely that we'll have anything like that at the federal level, but that is definitely the hope and and desire of a lot of providers. All right. Thanks so much for, for joining us today, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Ronnie Mola, and this is Recode Daily. This episode was produced by Sophie Lalonde and engineered by Melissa Pones and Hemlock Creek Productions. You can read more about Katie's reporting and find a link to her article in our show notes. 